Eagles Entertainment. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the day, and we're recapping the week at the Senior Bowl as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 519. At the top of today's show, we've got Draft Buzz, where I'm going to share my thoughts and takeaways from a total of six practices from Tuesday through Thursday down here in Mobile, Alabama. I am fresh off the practice field. I literally walked into my room, dropped my bag, and pulled out the microphone, and we, we got rolling here. So uh, this was my last football that I get to watch in person for a few months. So uh, this is a little bit emotional for me, as you can understand. But I'm going to go through position by position with some of my takes from the week's action. Again, six total practices, three from the American squad, three from the national squad. Uh, if you are looking for the Journey of the Draft podcast, again, you want to make sure you stay tuned here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. That's where I'm going to get all of my draft takes out uh, over the course of the next couple of months. Now, uh, before we get going, as always, rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate all those that have done that over on Apple Podcasts. If you have a question, now's the time. Go leave it there uh, on the Apple Podcast page. Hit pause. Go leave the question and we'll, uh, we'll answer it here in an upcoming episode. Uh, we'll also be back. We have plenty of Eagles news to cover, so we'll be doing that uh, in the next couple of weeks as well before the scouting combine out in Indianapolis. That said, let's get going here. We've got a lot to cover. It's time now for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, so for Draft Buzz, we're going to go position by position. And the way I figured I'd structure this is really kind of go uh, and bring it up into two categories and do uh, two players per position. The first category is the guy who flashed most to me over the course of the week and the guy that I'm most excited to rewatch based off of the week of practice. So one from each category over the course of every position, uh, and we'll go through it that way. Now, the reason why I don't structure this and call it like the big winner or the riser of the week or who helped their stock the most or anything like that, I guess it's really twofold. First off, uh, this is all completely subjective, obviously, right? And you have to take into account with anybody's analysis from events like this, from the Senior Bowl, from training camp, anything where it's one person watching on the field. If I call a player a riser, right, that's because they're rising based off I how I perceived them coming in. I may look at a player over the course of the fall or over the, you know, the last week before coming, coming down here, and I might say, you know what, this guy looks like he's a backup and a fifth-round pick. Another analyst, another scout, anybody uh, could watch that same player at the same time and think that he was a future Pro Bowl player and a, and a first-round pick or a second-round pick. And then we come to this week, and the, we, the way we view this week of practice is something completely different. So that's why I typically try and phrase my analysis that way on these players because you got you have to take that into account. And then the other part of it, too, is that you know I've been coming down here for too many years. It is very easy to get sucked into the trap. You watch one play, you watch one drill, you watch a couple of drills in a row, whatever that small sample size is, and you see a player flash – three out of four reps, four out of five reps, whatever it is, you write his name down, you put a star next to it, you underline it, you have an S asterisk, you have some up arrows, you circle it all, uh, you write some buzzwords underneath, and you're like, wow, this guy was awesome today. And then you go back and you watch all the film later, and then you see some of the other reps that you didn't catch from the afternoon when you were watching another drill or when you were uh, talking to the person next to you or you're writing in your notebook. Uh, and so you're like, oh, maybe I want to, I wish I could walk that back uh, a little bit from what I saw. So again, I just walked in from practice on Thursday afternoon. I haven't done any of the film from today. Uh, I got about half the film done from Wednesday. So, uh, and that's the biggest practice of the week. So a large chunk of these opinions are based off what I saw with my eyes on the field. 
After I go through all the film over the course of the weekend, uh, we'll, we'll touch base again next week. But, uh, you know, these are the categories that we're going to go through. Uh, again, it's going to be the guy that I am most, or that flashed the most and the one I'm most excited to rewatch based off the week. Now, that said, let's get rolling. And whenever we do position by position, I feel like we always start at quarterback and work our way through. Let's go the other way. Let's let's start with the uh, the end in mind. Let's go to safety. We'll start at safety, go to corner, linebacker, uh, and work our way back to the offensive side of the football. I would say of the safety group for both teams, uh, the guy that stood out most to me, that flashed the most for me, was Auburn safety Jalen Simpson. Uh, and this is a player I believe I covered him uh, on the uh, on the preview podcast. And um, I, I did him back in the fall. I, I first watched him uh, back in uh, back in November. And one thing that stands out: first of all, he's a little bit undersized. He's under 180 pounds. So at, at for safety, that is extremely extremely light. And you can see that when you see him. He, he's got a very skinny lower half. He's built like a corner. But he also runs like a corner. He's a, he's really explosive. He's really rangy. Uh, he's got the ability to uh, to to find the football, and that showed up in seven on sevens. That showed up in team. That showed up in one on ones. He's got a really u- unique ability to click and close on the football. Uh, jumped a number of routes uh, over the course of the week. Got a couple balls on the ground. Some near misses. Some that you're like, man, I, I wish he would be able to pull that in. But I love the the route recognition and that ability to close. And I thought that really allowed him to flash over the course of the week. So uh, I would say Jalen Simpson would be the name that I was most excited to see uh, over the course of the week in terms of uh, the way that he popped on film. Uh, I was really happy uh, with what we saw from the Auburn safety, Jalen Simpson, one of three Auburn DBs in attendance this week because you had DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett uh, as well. Now let's go over to uh, 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 the, the next category, and that's the person that I'm most excited to go back to the film on. And this will show up a couple of times over the course of this uh, this podcast, but I didn't get to watch every single one of these players before coming down here. So some of them, this was my first time watching them. And uh, I would say the guy that caught my eye that I hadn't watched from the safety spot was Evan Williams from uh, from the University of Oregon. Now, uh, Williams began his career at Fresno State and then transferred up this past, uh, this past offseason going to Oregon. And he really flashed this week. I, I thought that he showed the ability to play in man coverage against tight ends and running backs. Uh, he got his hands on the football a number of times. He was fearless coming downhill against the run. He was a really physical player over the course of the week in practice. Uh, he played with the national team. Would not shock me if he showed up in the football game. So uh, Evan Williams from Aub- or from Oregon uh, was the name that most caught my eye uh, that I'm excited to go back and w- rewatch from the safety spot. Let's now go over to the cornerback position. And, uh, you know, coming into the week, I said the, the best corner going down there was Quinion Mitchell, uh, the, the senior from Toledo. He was extremely productive, and he checked so many boxes over the course of his career. And you watch him on film, you really see – everything you're looking for from a starting, you know, number one caliber type of cornerback. Uh, and the one question you had, uh, you know, he didn't play a lot of press man coverage. Uh, you know, can he do that in the NFL? Is he more just kind of like a, a ball hawking route jumper playing from off coverage? Uh, because he was just about 5% of his snaps in college were played in press. That's an extremely low number. So what do we see from Quinion Mitchell uh, this week? We saw him, number one, get his hands on a ton of footballs in one-on-ones, seven-on-sevens, team periods. He's knocking balls to the ground. He's picking them off. He's going back the other way. Huge plays every single time or every single day. And then you also saw in one-on-ones him playing press man coverage and locking wide receivers down. So uh, I think when you look at Quinion Mitchell, uh, you know, you, so you could talk about like the lack of press coverage snaps. You have to remember it's not necessarily what they what they were asked to do, right? And so you have to ask that question. Is this something that this player was asked to do or not asked to do in college? Or is it a thing of, hey, you know what? He can't do it in the NFL. 
how you answer those two questions uh, really kind of dictate a guy what a, what a guy can be moving forward to the league. I think Quinion Mitchell, you know, at six foot with four three speed with his length, he's not the longest guy, but he's got you know, more than adequate length. He can play press man coverage. He's got the ability to turn and run. He's a really smooth athlete. He can find the ball late. Uh, he's got a press man skill set. Just wasn't asked to do it all that much at Toledo. Uh, we saw that this week. <clears throat> just check another box there for the Toledo Rocket. Who, by the way, uh, with that, you talk about his ro- the Rocket. Uh, he is soaring uh, up people's uh, the boards. I think in the media right now uh, as people catch up <clears throat> to the type of talent that Quinion Mitchell is. So he's the guy who flashed the most at corner. Now the player I'm most excited to rewatch. Another Oregon Duck. I mentioned uh, Evan Williams from Oregon. I'm going to go Kyrie Jackson, who I thought had a really good day on Thursday. And uh, really the big thing, you know, Thursday, typically down here at the Senior Bowl and All-Star Game settings, that's going to typically be your red zone day. You, you, you go through, because uh, these teams, the coaching staffs, they are installing what they're going to do uh, in the game on Saturday, right? And so you'll get your first and second down stuff, then you get your third down stuff, then you get to red zone on Thursday. And I thought that Kyrie Jackson was outstanding in the red zone over the course of today, whether it was the one-on-ones or whether it was uh, in team periods where he made he had a diving uh, he had a diving PBU, he had an interception today, he got his hands on a, on a football. He's really long. He's one of the biggest corners in this class he's right around six foot two he's got outstanding length the athleticism was the question and I guess that's one thing is that when you look at him in the red zone athletic questions long speed that gets mad that that can get uh hidden a little bit because you're working in a smaller uh, phone booth right you don't have as much ground that you need to cover and so uh i think with Kyrie jackson that really kind of played into his hands today but that said you got to give a tip of the cap to this kid he played really really well on thursday brought a lot of energy as well him and brandon rice uh, brandon rice had a, a lot of really fun battles down in the red zone on thursday morning and so uh Kyrie jackson was the the, the corner that i thought really kind of said you know let's uh let, let's pump the brakes a little bit go back uh, and see what else I can do here. I'm excited to go back and watch a little bit more of Kyrie Jackson from Oregon. Let's now go to the linebacker position. A couple of guys really stood out to me over the course of the week. I told you guys uh, earlier in the week, I was really excited to watch Peyton Wilson from NC State. To me, the best linebacker here in terms of like the, the overall draft slide, I think he will be drafted first. The guy that I thought flashed the most and that caught my caught my eye was Nathaniel Watson uh, from Mississippi State. Now he played with the American squad, which was in the afternoon, and uh, I will say, like when the because the, the, the American squad uh, they did a lot of install, a lot of individual work, a lot of special teams work, so we didn't see as many one on ones and team periods. It was a different kind of setup uh, with that squad. That said, when they did get together for full team eleven on eleven. That offense really struggled to get anything going. The the offensive line struggled. The the, the, the every the, everything just from a run game pass game standpoint, the defense was able to dominate. And one guy that was constantly around the football was Nathaniel Watson, uh, the linebacker from Mississippi State, who I believe I talked about him coming into the week as well. Uh, he's a, obviously a senior, 6'2", 244 pounds. So he's got good size, 32 and a half inch arms. He's got good length. He's explosive. He's rangy. Extremely productive player. He was an All American this year. First team All. SEC. He had 10 sacks, a pick, and 13 TFLs this year. Two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. This is a, a guy that can stuff the stat sheet. He's played a lot of special teams over the course of his career. I talked about his athleticism. He's strong on contact. He can play sideline to sideline. There were a number of toss plays uh, from the American offense this week, and on those toss plays, Watson was the guy that was out leveraging the back and getting out there towards the sideline uh, and making a play and thudding up the back along the sideline. So I think when you look at Watson, he's got a really intriguing skill set. 
He's a little bit older. He's a sixth-year senior, 23 years old uh, right now. He'll be a 23-year-old when when his first training camp opens. But I think when you look at, uh, at his skill set, there's a lot to like there. Uh, and so I, I think when you look at him and you look at uh, at Peyton Wilson, like I mentioned earlier, two guys to be really excited about down here uh, from that linebacker spot. Uh, the guy who I'm most excited to go back and rewatch. This was a tough one because uh, I feel like I had a decent beat on most of these guys coming down. There were a couple that I didn't get to, um, but the guy that I thought kind of outperformed uh, my expectation, Cedric Gray from North Carolina, 6'1 and a half, 232 pounds, 32 and a half inch long arms. He's played a lot of football over the course of his career, just shy of 40 starts for the Tar Heels, but he has racked up a ton of tackles. He plays primarily in the box. Uh, the big thing that you had a question about was like, the range, the short area burst, that ability to kind of uh, have that second gear. Um, you know, I compared him to Juwan Bentley when Bentley was coming out of Purdue, and he carved out a nice, uh, a nice career as like a niche player for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And I thought Gray had that kind of a skill set. He's got that kind of big hulking build. Um, but to me, what stood out with Gray, he had he got his hands on a couple of footballs this week in one-on-ones against running backs, Texas routes, uh, against tight ends on stick routes. He was able to get the ball on the ground, and I think that that's important for him, just kind of proving he has those coverage chops. Now, as I'm looking at my notes, I'm like, oh, well, Fran, he had 18 ball disruptions in his career. When you when you combine interceptions and PBUs, he had uh, two picks uh, in 2021, two picks in 2022, six more, uh, in, uh, six more PBUs uh, last year as a junior. This is a guy that has gotten a lot of his, a lot of hands on the football, two-time first team All ACC, uh, just a really productive player. Um, but uh, I was excited to see what he was able to put forth here this week down in Mobile, Alabama. Let's now go to the defensive line. I split this up into the edge group and the defensive tackle group. The guy who flashed most, and this was a tough one because I think this defensive line group as a whole, one of the best that I've seen down here in Mobile, uh, just on the whole. The guy who I thought flashed most was Leatu Latu, and the reason why I'm giving him the edge over some other players is because he had one of the toughest jobs of the week. Leatu Latu had to go up against an outstanding group of national offensive tackles, and we talked about them coming in, right? You had uh, Kingsley Suamatia uh, from BYU. Uh, they, the Washington guard, Troy Fontenau, he did not come down, but you still had Talisa Fuaga. You still had uh, a number of players that people are really, really high on at the, at the offensive tackle spot, and that's who Latu got the majority of his reps against, where there were these big-name offensive tackles. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to be honest, there are a lot of prospects and a lot of agents that would say like, oh, that's that's not a great situation uh, for, a, for a player to have to go up against round one guy, round one guy, round one guy over and over and over again. And it wasn't always wins. It wasn't it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for Latu, especially early in the week. Um, I thought he flashed on Tuesday and I thought he was excellent on Wednesday. And he really kind of showed off that rush skill that he's got, a reason why he was one of the most productive players in college football this season for the UCLA Bruins, uh, really kind of stringing moves together. Did not practice on Thursday uh, due to, I believe he had to bow out because of injury. He had some kind of sleeve on his leg. I don't know if that was what it was related to or not, but uh, Latu did not practice on Thursday. But to me, he did enough in Wednesday's practice. And again, against those first-round quality players, uh, to, for me to say, like, yeah, Latu was the guy that really stood out. Now, the guy that I'm most excited excited to rewatch, I could have easily put in this category, and that's Darius Robinson from uh, from Missouri. And the reason why I say that with Robinson is that he's getting a lot of buzz. I mean, he was one of the guys that was generating the most uh, you know, extra murmurs and things, just people, just general excitement uh, about what he was doing on the football field this week. And he, he is a big-bodied defensive end uh, slash defensive tackle, 6'5", 
286 pounds. He's got 30 over 34 and a half inch arms. He's got an 84 and a half inch wingspan. Extremely long. He looks the part, no question. Now, he's a fifth year senior who didn't really take off until this year. Uh, he only had, I'm looking at my list, he only had four and a half sacks in his career. Coming into this year, he had eight and a half uh, as a fifth-year senior in the SEC. He was first-team all-conference this year. Um, but that big-bodied skill set as a guy that can line up inside and outside and, and win over tackle, he, he's got... Um, a really intriguing skill set. Uh, and what's, what I like, too, is that he plays to his size. He's really violent. He's really physical. I thought that mindset showed up in practice. Uh, he was a guy that really kind of set the tempo over the course of practice for the American squad. Uh, but I think when you look at Robinson, uh, I would say the other thing, too, uh, one of the only guys that really got into Tyler Guyton, who, who's a likely first-round player uh, at offensive tackle for Oklahoma. We'll talk about him in a little bit. The only player that really gave him trouble all week was Robinson. Uh, and I, I think when you look at that, that's another feather in his cap coming off the week my question with him coming in was the athleticism you know does he have that juice off the ball uh, is he going to be a guy that's going to consistently get home as a rusher or is he going to be more of a you know long big strong a power rusher that isn't necessarily going to be known for you know double digit sacks and being that kind of a game wrecker I think that he showed that kind of potential, especially going up against a really light of foot offensive tackle in Tyler Guyton over the course of the week. So I'm excited to go back and do a little bit more on Robinson. I might have sold him a little short because um, I was impressed with what I saw from him this week in Mobile, Alabama. So uh, he would be the defensive end that I was most excited about uh, coming out of it. Now, let's go to the interior. And I could have gone a number of ways here because I was really impressed with this defensive tackle group overall. I wrote down two names, and as I'm talking it out, we'll see uh, uh, which one I end up going with here. Brandon Dorless from Oregon and Michael Hall from Ohio State. Both guys had outstanding moments. Uh, Michael Hall, I know, I know I talked about him coming in, 6'2", 280 pounds. He's got like the prototypical three technique uh, kind of frame. He's uh, undersized, extremely undersized at 280. Uh, but this is a guy that played up mostly at nose tackle for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was a nose shade lined up over the center. Because he is really violent against the run. He's stronger than his frame would indicate. And he's got outstanding power to push the pocket because he is so dang explosive off the snap. He's got a great first step, that initial quickness to either penetrate into the backfield or cross a a blocker's face and and kind of create havoc. He's got that kind of skill set, and that showed up over the course of the week. Really the only play that I saw Jackson Powers Johnson lose all week, the Oregon center, who we'll talk about in the next group. Uh, The only play I saw him lose was Michael Hall uh, just exploding off the ball and getting into his chest and driving him back. Uh, So I think when you look at his skill set, that was really impressive. That said, the guy who I thought just built momentum throughout the course of the week, and I thought that Thursday might have been his best day, even though he was really good on Wednesday as well from what I saw, and that's Brandon Dorless, uh, who is, again, kind of cut from the same cloth as Hall uh, because he is under 280 pounds. He came in at around 275. Uh, he's got a hybrid skill set. I compared him to, to Milton Williams in, in the pot earlier this week. Uh, he's got that kind of you know DND tackle, tweener label, and you know we'll see how that impacts his draft stock. But I think when you look at his the, the way that he plays the game, he he plays extremely hard. He's really athletic. He's really violent. He's really competitive. All these things that I think translate well to the league. And so I almost didn't want to, I didn't want to pick just one from, because both of those guys really flashed uh, in my eyes. Now, who am I most excited to rewatch? 
This was also a tough one, but when I got to this player's name, I said, you know, especially the way he performed in Thursday's practice, I thought this player had a really good day on Thursday to kind of put an exclamation point on the week, and that's Justin Ibiogbi from Alabama, who really came on this year for the Crimson Tide, so a first-year starter for them. He measured in 6'4", 292 pounds. He's kind of your run stuffing five technique, three technique. That's how I viewed him as like kind of a line of scrimmage type of player, not necessarily like a quick penetrator. I'll tell you what, uh, look, the the production was there this year. He had seven sacks for Alabama this year. He had five hits. He had 18 quarterback hurries. He, he had a really good season for Alabama, but I still didn't see like that, that get off, that initial quickness. Man, that, that showed up in spades this week and especially today. I thought he was really good today. I was in the backfield a number of times in team period in a, in a red zone drill. He got in for a, for a uh, I believe it was for a sack, not for a TFL. And the, the coaches all swarmed him with a celebration in the backfield. Uh, so he's a guy that I'm excited to kind of go back and rewatch and see if maybe I kind of missed his athleticism a little bit based off what I saw down here at the Senior Bowl. Let's go to the next position here as we cross uh, the line of scrimmage and go to the offensive line. Now, uh, I didn't split this up. And like tackles and guards. So I just basically I picked two players for each category here. And honestly, I already mentioned the two names uh, of who flashed most, one from each squad. Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon, and Tyler Guyton, the tackle from Oklahoma. Let's go with Powers Johnson first. I would probably say, and he didn't play on Thursday. He did not practice today. Uh, I believe it was an ankle. Uh, he left practice a little bit early on Wednesday. But th- up through the moment that he left the field, you would say Jackson Powers Johnson was probably the most impressive player uh, in practice on either of those two days. Uh, was just outstanding from snap to finish. And I think when you look at him, again, you're just another player. I say this all the time. You're just checking boxes. He's athletic. He's strong. He's tough. He's powerful. He's versatile. He did it at both guard and center. The only knock that you can really have with Jackson Powers Johnson when you look at his profile only a one-year starter. He only played this year as a redshirt sophomore. That's what you get when you get a redshirt sophomore is that you don't have a huge, huge sample size. But uh, when you look at his athletic ability, his toughness, uh, honestly, the most athletic thing I saw on the football field all week down here was the first day of practice. Right, it was in the right in the beginning. The, the quarterbacks and the centers are doing their their quarterback center exchange drill, right? And he was working with Michael Penix, so he's snapping the ball to Penix, and uh, you know they're working on their under center exchange. And uh, Penix throws the ball. An equipment manager catches the ball on the other side, and he throws it back over to Jackson Powers Johnson. Uh, the equipment manager kind of airmails the throw. It goes, I don't know, like uh, eight feet, you know, five feet over his head, over Jackson Powers Johnson's head. Jackson Powers Johnson leaves his feet, goes full extension, and pulls the ball down. He is a 334-pound center. Goes full extension, pulls this down effortlessly, makes the catch, and lands and just says, all right, let's go. Like Just so naturally athletic. Uh, Really, really impressive. I would say the other most athletic thing that I saw, uh, Joe Milton, after completing a pass in seven-on-sevens, did a standing backflip in celebration. It was one of the last plays uh, of his drill for practice, and so uh, he wanted to celebrate showing off his athleticism. But to me, Jackson Powers Johnson doing that at 334 pounds uh, really caught my eye. So <clears throat> he would be the, the guy I thought flashed most. Tyler Guyton on the other side was really good as well. Was not as clean in terms of uh, the, the overall performance. He did have a couple losses, but you're going to get that with Tyler Guyton, who is a senior, but like Jackson Powers Johnson, 
uh, only had one year as a starter. He, w- he was stuck behind a couple draft picks last year uh, at tackle for Oregon. So this was his first year as a true starter. He transferred over from TCU. He's played some tight end uh, in his career. So kind of late to the offensive line, but he's got outstanding athleticism, the toughness that showed up this week and proven versatility. He's played both left and right. Did that down here as well. And again, it wasn't always clean. He didn't win every single rep, but I think that the flashes are there where you say like, yeah, this, this guy looks like a first round pick all day. Now, who am I most excited to rewatch based off the offensive line? I want to go to two names. Uh, one is a tackle and one is a center. So sticking with the same theme there, uh, like Powers, Johnson, and Guyton. The tackle is Javon Foster from Missouri. And I, I liked Javon Foster when I studied him on film because he is really tough. He's really physical. That showed up this week. Uh, he was he was very uh, he was very animated. He was getting into it with a lot of defensive line. Honestly, that whole group on the American squad, uh, th- those battles with the O line and the D line were really really impressive. I was getting a lot of juice watching those guys as opposed to watching uh, the skill players over on the other side for that squad. Uh, and Javon Foster, he's got outstanding length, thirty five inch long arms for a six foot six five and a half, three hundred nine pound offensive tackle. The athleticism was the question for me coming in, and I don't think that that necessarily it wasn't like that that got appeased this week. It's not like I looked at him and was like, oh, he's more athletic than I thought. But just watching him hold up in pass pro, you know, I think that he, may, he might have uh, he might have starting uh, capabilities uh, moving into the NFL. So I might have undersold him there. I thought that he had a really good week of practice. I'm excited to go back and watch a little bit more. And then the center that I mentioned was actually a player that I hadn't studied yet, and that was Andrew Rame. And like his teammate, because he's from Oklahoma, like his teammate Tyler Guyton, it wasn't always pretty. He had some bad losses against some of those defensive tackles for the American squad, but he also battled his butt off, came back, and I thought had a really strong day on Thursday, uh, had a couple of good wins, some really physical plays, uh, 6'3 and 3 quarters, 315 pounds. He's a little squatty, under 32-inch arms, but for a center, you can forgive that a little bit. He's given up some production in his career in terms of, according to PFF, like some, uh, some sacks, TFLs, pressures, those kinds of things. But I think when you look at what he did on the field, I thought that he got better through the week. You always like seeing that from a prospect. I'm excited to dig into his film. I, I think that he showed some good things uh, down here over the course of the week. Like I said, I did not watch him coming in. So he will definitely be a player I get to before the trip to the Combine in Indianapolis. Let's now go. we got three more position groups left. Let's do the pass catchers, the receivers and tight ends. I grouped them all together uh, just because, uh, just you know, honestly, the tight end group overall didn't really, like, catch my eye. So I, let's just group this whole thing together here with the pass catchers. The two players that flash most for me. I would go with Michigan wide receiver Roman Wilson. I would be surprised if another receiver won practice player of the week uh, over him. I, I I think he looks like a second-round player all day, maybe a third-round player. Uh, but he lo- he had some outstanding catches, uh, including at the end of practice on Wednesday. Uh, what I like that the, um, the the national team did, and we usually see that down here. Not every coaching staff will do it, but they'll do these kind of high leverage, everybody's watching uh, one-on-one reps after practice where, all right, we're going to do a wide receiver versus a DB, an offensive lineman versus defensive lineman a running back versus a linebacker a tight end versus safety and everybody's watching so you know kind of a pressure cooker situation here for those guys and who comes out on top uh and the whole team kind of uh, you know rallies around it the energy level is really high it's always a lot of fun uh roman wilson had a diving one-handed catch behind the back against Quinion Mitchell uh, after practice on Wednesday. It was an outstanding, one of the best catches of the week, uh, and he made it in that situation, which I guarantee you, like when he gets drafted, they, that will be talked about. Uh, the, the, the GM, the head coach, the receiver coach, the area scout, whoever speaks with uh, the team that drafts him, um, you know, with the media afterwards, 
the, they'll talk about like the performance in Mobile and how he performed at the Senior Bowl. And it would not shock me if that play itself uh, comes up, after, especially after Quinion Mitchell likely goes in round one. So uh, I would say Roman Wilson caught my eye most. Uh, he flashed the most at receiver. Lad McConkie as well. And with both of these players... The route running savvy really showed up. Uh, I think th- those were the two best route runners down here in Mobile. I kind of thought that coming into the week, and I, I think that that got cemented uh, with what we saw over the course of practice. Uh, you know, Roman Wilson, I thought, had more opportunity to kind of show off things down the field uh, as opposed to the uh, to McConkie, who's on the American squad. Everything with the with the American team for the most part was all underneath. There was a lot of wide receiver screens, a lot of shallow crosses, a lot of like quick slants. It wasn't anything down the field. And so, um, you know, I think that with McConkie, we'll see if they they decide to do anything different in the game. But my guess is based off that, how they practice, that will not be the case. But uh, I think McConkie is a good football player. Talked about it earlier in the week. And I think that held up over the course of practice. Now, who kind of uh, exceeded expectation? Two players. And I think that you could make a case that Ricky Pearsall had one of the better weeks at wide receiver. And I did like Pearsall when I studied him. He's from the University of Florida. Uh, he, he's got a, a body that's built like a sprinter. He's, he's, and he's a downfield type of threat. Uh, I think when you look at his juice off the ball, certainly there. He's a fluid athlete. He's a springy athlete. He, he kind of flies out of his stance and he can go. Um, he's got a background as a core four guy on special teams. Uh, solid blocker, not a great blocker but a solid blocker. So I think that there's a, a, a right away, there's a, a niche role for Ricky Pearsall. He could be a wide receiver for right now out of the box, which you love. What I saw this week was a guy that, A, got better as a route runner than what I thought I saw on film, and also just a little bit more consistent uh, as a uh, ball winner, as an ability to, to pull the ball in. He made a, a number of catches uh, that were impressive down the field. He had a couple nice catches on some slant routes. There was one that comes to mind where a slant was thrown behind him, and he was able to kind of contort his body and pull the ball in on the run. Um, made some plays with the ball in his hands, which that was not necessarily a hallmark of his game in college. So I thought Pearsall showed a little bit more of a complete package this week, based off what I envisioned coming in, where I thought he'd be more of a, you know, a uh, kind of rotational deep thread and you know special teams guy like that, that kind of a skill set, that kind of a role. I think Pearsall showed a little bit more uh, than that this week, and so uh, the senior from Florida would be my first one, and then I would say the second one was uh, from the American squad. Best receiver was Jaquan Jackson from Tulane, five uh, nine, hundred ninety pounds, so undersized for sure. Uh, can, has lined up both inside and outside. Was not incredibly productive over the course of his career. I mean, he's a redshirt senior, just over 100 catches. Um, you know, this year he had under 500 yards receiving, only four touchdowns. But he is kind of a, a Swiss Army knife gadget player that, you know, he, he always had multiple runs uh, every single season. He was a kick returner. He was a punt returner. So he did a little bit of everything. I don't know that he let the ball hit the ground once all all, uh, all week. He did an outstanding job this week and made plays at all three levels. Any of the stuff that actually did go down the field for the American squad, it felt like it was going in the direction of Jackson, who was playing with his quarterback, Michael Pratt, which that does help. Uh, I think you see that uh, over the course of uh, multiple years here is that typically when you have those uh, the teammates come down and work together, they usually can, the, the receiver and the quarterback get a little bit of a bump up because they're, they're obviously comfortable working with each other. But I thought that Jaquan Jackson had a nice week, and, and I, I undersold it coming into the end of the week. I hope that uh, you know I can go back, watch a little bit more, and see more of what we saw this week at the Senior Bowl with Jackson. So uh, a really good week from the undersized receiver from the Tulane Green Wave. Let's now go to running back. Two names really stood out. And the one that flashed most, I thought was Marshawn Lloyd from USC. Transferred to the Trojans uh, this year, playing for Lincoln Riley. And I think when you look at Lloyd, the thing that really flashed with him was 
his lateral quickness, his ability to make jump cuts, and then also his short area burst because he ran a number of wheel routes this week where the linebacker didn't even sniff him, didn't go, couldn't lay a finger on him. He, he did a really nice, and that's not what he was known for uh, at USC or at South Carolina. That's where he started his career his first three years. And honestly, when I watched him on film, I didn't see a guy that was like that, not necessarily like a dynamic athlete, but a player that could create separation and had that, that, that lateral quickness to, to create some space for himself to work. And I thought we saw that time and time again, every single day. It was every day. Uh, I thought that this kid made a nice play in space or in traffic to find space 5'9 217 pounds so he's short but he's not he's not small he, he's got a thick frame uh and with that quickness I really liked what I saw from Marshawn Lloyd who has a very similar body type to the other player I want to bring up and he was 5'8 and a half 220 pounds so even more of like that bowling ball frame and that's Ray Davis from Kentucky uh one thing I saw from Ray Davis this week that I didn't necessarily always see in college uh he, he started his career at Temple played there two years, went to Vanderbilt, played there two years, and then for his final season transferred to Kentucky and had the best year of his career. He ran for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns, which uh, it was a career high in both numbers here for the Wildcats, and when, it was, was a pro-style run game uh, there, with, there in the SEC. He's a little bit older, uh, but the big thing that I questioned was the you know what what can he be as a pass catcher and in pass protection and he made a he had a, a, a reception on a uh, on a wheel route it was like a back shoulder throw where he contorted his body got both feet in bounds made the catch going to the ground I said okay like if he can do that while being what he is as a runner which I really like him as a runner he's really decisive he runs behind his pads he can lower the shoulder he consistently forces missed tackles he's got good vision at all levels of the field he's a really competitive runner he's really strong he's got some power to him so uh, as a runner I really liked Ray Day. Now it's just a matter of what's the three down skill set. All right, well, if you're going to make catches like that, uh, when I saw it on the first day, okay, well, if I can see more of that on film, uh, that'll give me more uh, more excitement about what you can be as a pure three down, like a potential bell cow type of running back in an NFL offense. So uh, I definitely want to go back and watch more of his targets in the past game, get a better sense of how Ray Davis can play the football. Let's wrap the podcast up with the quarterback spot. And I'm going to be honest, uh, to say who was the best quarterback or who flashed the most, that's going to be tough this week because both all these guys kind of had their, their moments in the sun and all of these guys didn't have the, the best day either. So I think when you look at all of them, um, you know it's going to be tough to say, and I'll, I'll be interested to kind of go through uh, what uh, a lot of people say coming off the week. I would say the guy who flashed most was probably Bo Nix, and it was strictly because of what I just watched this this morning at practice. Uh, I thought he was really good today, and I didn't think he was as good on Tuesday or Wednesday. This is a player that's getting first-round buzz. I mean, he was uh, he was in Daniel Jeremiah's top 15 in his first mock draft coming into the week, and it, he was not the only one. There were a number of other analysts have seen Bo Nix go in the first round. I would say for the majority of the week, he did not look like a first-round prospect at quarterback, um, but this week, in this practice today, down in the red zone, again, he had uh, he had four or five throws that were on the money. The the accuracy that we that we really saw over the last two years for him in the in the Oregon Ducks uh, offensive system showed up down in the you know in a phone booth where you got to put it in, you know you got to throw the ball into a mailbox sized uh, window and he was able to fit it in there. I thought that Nick's did some really good things on Thursday, but again, all these guys were kind of hit or miss throughout the course of the week. So this was a tough call in terms of who flashed the most uh, this week. Now, who am I most excited to rewatch? There was one quarterback that I did not study coming into the week, and so I didn't have any expectations. 
And that was Carter Bradley from, uh, and now look, he was, he had the home field advantage. Uh, he is uh, the South Alabama quarterback. And this game is held down here in South Alabama on campus uh, at their stadium. But um, when you look at Carter Bradley, he did a nice job this week, and he had it was uh, he had some misses early uh, on Tuesday, and I thought that he got better, got a little better, got a little better, uh, and even on on Thursday, I thought he did a solid job uh, down in the red zone period. So to me, Carter Bradley uh, is the guy I'm definitely gonna have to watch this kid because he, he looked like a draftable type of quarterback uh, based off what we saw this week here in practice. So. That was all the positions. That wasn't every player, but it was a bunch of players. Uh, I'm going to go through the film over the next few days, kind of finish up everything there, uh, and then I'll, I'll get with the guest, and we'll, we'll talk through everything next week here on the uh, Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Like I said, we've also got some Eagles news we're going to get to as well. We'll talk through the Vic Fangio uh, the, uh, hiring and what that means for the Eagles defense. We'll, we'll have uh, some more news to share as well. So we'll do all of that right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here uh, in Mobile, Alabama, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week.